thanks so much for tuning in to the Doc Sportscast uh, today. Sorry about that. Uh, thanks for tuning in to the Doc Sportscast today. Appreciate you guys um, listening, and we're excited for today's episode. Got a few topics to discuss. Uh, probably going to be a little bit briefer of an episode today as we uh, get ready to start some NFL previews. Uh, we're actually going to begin uh, coming up pretty soon, maybe on Wednesday, if not on Friday at, at the latest, uh, starting some divisional breakdowns where we talk about each division um, in the NFL, uh, what we anticipate, give an update on some teams, some thoughts on where things are. Obviously, things could change in the offseason, and we'll see how that uh, tends to happen. But uh, yeah, with that being said, we will um, start doing that uh, sometime this week, either Wednesday or Friday. So stay tuned for that. With today's episode, we're going to be covering a lot of different topics. So talk about a little bit about the NCAA, what's going on there. I know everybody's probably seen some things with the president of the NCAA coming out, talking about some new things that they are um, at least exploring at this point. Uh, we talk about the Milwaukee Bucks and the Phoenix Suns and how that has finally become a series. And we will talk about uh, an issue with a player who we discussed on a previous podcast recently in the WNBA and a little bit of progression that we have seen out of this person. So that being said, let's jump right into it here. Uh, first up, we will talk about the NBA Finals. Guys, <laughs> This it, is this exciting, guys. This is exciting. The Milwaukee Bucks have finally made this a series in the sense that it is not a series until someone takes a game on the road, and the Milwaukee Bucks have done that. I think everyone's a little bit surprised, especially how the Phoenix Suns came out from uh, the start of this series in games one and two. But, man, the Milwaukee Bucks have turned things around. And I think what's happening is these teams, after long enough time in a series, teams figure each other out. They figure each other out. They know what they like to do. They know their tendencies. And what happens is who can be more flexible, right? Who can be more flexible? Who can adjust and make alterations properly? Um, and, and not just making alterations properly, but who can effectively take advantage of the mismatches as adjustments are being made? So it's, it's a huge chess match as the series goes on. And now we are in game five, going to game six. With that being said, Milwaukee Bucks ended up winning this game by four points. It is a close one, guys. <clears throat> Very similar to the last game that was a close one as well. This is now a series. Both teams have figured this out. They understand how to go into the games, how to play against each other, where to get their shots off. They're, they're understanding how to flow the offense and, and where they can make their advantages or disadvantages for them and their opponents. So this is exactly what we wanted to see all along, guys. We're super excited about this. I know it looks like Milwaukee has the advantage now, up three games to two, won the last three games in a row. So it definitely looks in favor of Milwaukee, which we would be wrong on this. You know, Phoenix... Phoenix may not win this series, and we will be absolutely wrong if that happens. And that's absolutely fine, guys. This is fantastic for either of these franchises. We're excited to see either of these franchises win. I think we wanted to see Phoenix win because, man, Chris Paul deserves to get a title. He really does, um, and Giannis definitely has a lot more years in him to possibly do it. But either way, this is going to be great for <clears throat> both of these franchises uh, e either one, whoever wins, it'll be fantastic for them. So we're rooting for either one. We just want to see a good series, and we are now starting to see that, okay? So um, 
Both teams are firing on all cylinders right now. The big three on both sides are doing their thing the way they need to. DeAndre Ayton, Chris Paul, <clears throat> Devin Booker all had 20-plus points. Uh, Devin Booker went off for 40, which is kind of what you want to see from him. You want to expect that of him moving forward. And I think we're going to start seeing that. You know, it looks like he's getting a little more consistent to being above, you know, that 35-point mark. Uh, just because he, he's figuring out how to make space and get his shots off as well. Now, he did have to put up 33 shots. I'd like to see that come down a bit and his shooting percentage get a little bit better from where it was. But, hey, what can you say? They shot 10 for 11 from the three free throw line. Very great percentage. Uh, you know, they, they shot 68% from three-point line. Really good shooting there. And then 55% from the regular field goal range. So they were shooting very well. But Milwaukee, man, Milwaukee was putting up their numbers too. But here is the big factor. Look at the free throws. Milwaukee was 52%. Definitely down in free throw percentage, but they took more free throws. So it did kind of balance out from a point standpoint. Uh, when it comes to three points, again, lower percentage there, but they got more shots up. And then you look at regular field goals, 57% to 55%, edging out Phoenix just by a little bit when it comes to percentage. What am I taking from this? What are we hearing? What are we seeing out there, guys? Milwaukee is getting more shots. Milwaukee is getting more attempts out there. They're getting more shots up, and with that, they're going to score more points. That's what has ended up happening. So Phoenix... Going into this series, and we talked about it a little bit before, they need to have a fast pace. They need to get up and down the court. They need this to be higher scoring. And if it is, they're going to play better. But the problem is that they are, it's fairly fast paced. You know, both teams are scoring, you know, over 105, 110 every game. So it's fairly fast paced of a series. However, Phoenix is, Phoenix is definitely not taking advantage of their possessions. They are taking some bad shots, turning the ball over quite a bit. You know, it was, but here's the other thing. You look at it, 11 turnovers for Milwaukee, eight turnovers for the Suns. So, it, I mean, it's, it's really tough when you look at the box score, you look at the stats. It doesn't make sense that Milwaukee won this game. It doesn't make sense that Milwaukee was able to get up more free throws, more three-point shots. It doesn't make sense that they were able to get up that much more in shots than the Phoenix Suns. The Phoenix Suns shot a around the same percentage or better in every category. They had less turnovers. They had... You know, only two, they had two more steals, so they stole the ball more. And from a rebounding standpoint, it was 35 to 37, very, very close. So, guys, what, what are we seeing here? Like, like what is going on? I, it, it's tough. It's tough. It, it's really interesting to see that Milwaukee didn't win this game by more, considering the fact that it looks like they got that many more possessions. And I don't know how exactly they got that many more possessions because you look at turnovers. You look at fouls, you look at uh, all the statistics, and it just looks like Phoenix would have had more possessions, and they didn't. So it, it's interesting when you look at the box score and try and figure out, hey, what happened in this game? I mean, and I watched it too, and it's like at the end of it, you're sitting there and you're thinking like, man, Phoenix, 
Phoenix played solid, consistent basketball like the whole time. Like, why, why are, why is it like this? Like, why, why is, why did Milwaukee win this game? Because Phoenix looked sharp and consistent. Well, Milwaukee did too. Milwaukee did too. So it was hard to see either of these teams lose this match when you think about it. These these types of games where you look at a box score and you don't understand why either team could have won this game. That's the one where it's a really great game. Either team can take it, and Milwaukee showed the grittiness to get out there and get it done late in the game. So, really exciting. Again, we're, we're excited to see uh, this. We're excited to see Milwaukee get that win, make this a series finally. The question is, will Phoenix be able to come back and make it, continue making it a series, or is it going to be done in six? Now, I think that... I think that Phoenix still has something in them. I think that they can win this next game. I wouldn't put money on it, but I think they can. I think they can. Um, you know, Chris Paul has definitely been showing some wear and tear. He's definitely been showing a little bit of fatigue. Even this last game, he played 35 minutes. You know, Aiton played 45. Devin Booker played 42. Crowder played 40. You know, the only starter that didn't play more than him was Bridges at 33, and that's because they need to switch up the offense every now and then and get Cam Johnson campaign in there. So, you know, I, I think he's definitely getting tired, I, and I think that when you look at Milwaukee, you got Antetokounmpo, Middleton, and Holiday all putting in 40 minutes plus. So that that's definitely going to make a difference. And now Pat Connaughton, guys, he has been shooting the lights out. He went four for six. That was a huge factor. That was a huge factor. If Pat Connaughton wasn't there hitting the shots that he hit, this would have been a different story because he hit shots at great times to keep momentum going, to to expand leads and things like that. So Pat Connaughton, I mean, hats off to him. And Milwaukee fans really need to be excited that, that he's there and doing what he's doing because a lot of people talked about how, you know, it was really upsetting that they didn't have DiVincenzo and Pat Connaughton was such a bad player to put in there off the bench and, and it really hurts him when he's on the court. It didn't. It didn't hurt him this time, guys. And they actually benefited quite a bit from having P.J. Tucker off the court a little bit more than usual. You know, his minutes were down 24 minutes. Pat Connaughton's went up to 33, and he ended up putting in 14 points. P.J. Tucker doesn't put up points, guys. He doesn't. He doesn't put up points. He doesn't make shots. He'll sit there and make some corner three-pointers if he's wide open, but that's it. So that shot maker, that guy who can help you on offense, makes a big difference, and it helped them have the ability to keep up with the scoring for the Suns and keep them in the game until late in the game where their defense was able to really crack down and make a difference there at the end in the final minutes. So again, really exciting series. Um, I think it's going to go to seven games personally. Uh, Aurora disagrees with me on this one. She thinks it's going to be taken care of in six games. Milwaukee will finish this out, but uh, we'll see. We do, we do disagree on that a little bit here on the channel, but we'll see who's right. When it comes down to it, um, I would love to see a Game 7. I think a Game 7 is what everybody would like to see at this point. It's been an entertaining series, and the teams are really figuring each other out. It's a chess match. It's back and forth. It's exciting basketball, and that's what we want to see. Everybody's stepping up, playing well. I would love to see it go to Game 7 just for the purpose of we want to see great, exciting basketball like this, and the more of it that you can get, the better. So... Best of luck to all those teams as they move forward, and we will see what happens. Now, as we move on to the next topic, we'll be talking about the NCAA and some of their discussions that has been going on lately. So the NCAA president, Emirate, has said, I think I pronounced that right, em Emirate. Um, who knows? Maybe I'm pronouncing it wrong. It doesn't matter. Uh, 
you know, the gray-haired, white-haired man uh, who is the president of the NCA uh, says it's time to decentralize, okay? Time to decentralize the NCAA and make adjustments. Here's the thing, guys. Everybody's going to sit there and say, you know what? This is great. The NCAA is finally folding and letting into all this stuff and players will get paid soon and all these things. Guys, I'm just telling you, you have to understand what's going to happen. I told you on a previous podcast, I said that the NCAA cannot sustain itself. If you start paying players, they will not be able to sustain themselves. They will not be able to keep going the way they're going. Something will have to give. This is a way for that to give. And this is a very huge impact that nobody's going to think about unless you work in the sports industry and you're a part of this. So think about it, guys. Stay with me on this. First off, now the NCAA, instead of having to worry about paying players, getting funding to pay players, making sure their sponsors are happy, making sure that their sponsors aren't upset that players are going and supporting competitors of their sponsors because the players don't care. They don't care who sponsors the NCAA. They don't care who sponsors their school. They don't care who supports them. All they care about is who supports me personally. And they're going to go out and they're going to get sponsorships from competitors who support the school. And that's going to be really, really bad. It's going to be a really big sticking point as things move forward. I'm telling you, that's just going to happen. When stuff hits the fan, that will be there. Outside of that, continuing on this, in the interview, he said how we need to see all sports differently. Okay, Lacrosse is different than football. Field hockey is different than wrestling. He talked about this. Here's the thing, guys. It's already looked at differently. The NCAA puts in protocols and stipulations that make sure that certain programs don't get completely left out and have to fend for themselves because they won't be able to be they won't be able to be even competitive at all. They won't be able to afford equipment. And I see it, guys. I see it every single college that you go to. Every college you go to. I don't care if you're going to Penn State. I don't care if you're at University of Florida. I don't care if you're at University of Southern Michigan, Southeast State University, like, which isn't a real university, but whatever. It doesn't matter, big or small. Basketball, football gets the most money. They get the most resources. They get the most gear. They get the better amount of food. They get the funding to host tournaments. They stay in better hotels with their their guys. Their guys get better food. Their players get better food. Like, that's how it works. That is how it works already, okay? Volleyball stays in lesser hotels, okay? Softball, lesser hotels. Baseball, lesser hotels. Swim teams, you know, all, all of it, all these teams lacrosse no matter what it is they're staying in lesser hotels they're eating lesser food they don't have as much in the nutrition budget they don't have as much money to take their team out or enjoy things after a win and whatnot they have less resources their equipment's older there it's not new fresh up to date every single day every single year it doesn't happen like that okay for these purposes y'all have to understand the president of the ncaa is saying Let's make this even bigger of an issue than it already is. That's what he's saying by that. So now you've got places who historically may have had a really good volleyball program. Guess what, guys? Volleyball doesn't make money. Volleyball will not make money for sure when you start paying the athletes. So now volleyball programs are going to be crap. They're not going to get funding. 
They're not going to get the proper funding. They're not going to be able to stay in hotels. They're going to be on buses coming back all night long because they don't have the money to stay in hotels. So they're going to be exhausted when they go to school the next, when they go to class the next day. They're not going to have the resources to eat as good of meals when they travel and things like that. So they're going to be getting crappy fast food from McDonald's because it's cheap. Like, y'all don't understand that these things will happen. Their equipment is going to lack. It's going to drop down. They'll be getting old hand-me-down equipment from players in the past, you know, jerseys and all that type of stuff. This will happen the way that the NCAA is, is putting this in place. Now, this is, again, if they decentralize and if there's no governing body like the NCAA over these conferences and schools, okay? This will happen. They're already funded differently. So you're stripping these smaller sports even more, which is going to make kids less likely to go play collegiately at these programs because it's not going to be worth it. It's going to make coaches not going to want to coach there anymore. Yeah, you'll have these big, big programs. Okay, so so schools right now, they have to focus resources on recruiting efforts, things like that. And schools like Texas and Penn State and all this stuff, they have to focus it, right? So you're not going to have the top volleyball team in the country every year. You're not going to have the top whatever every year. And some of these smaller schools can capitalize on that. And they can hang their heads by saying, hey, you know what? We're going to have a top volleyball program. We're going to bring in a top coach. We're going to give them a lot of resources, and we're going to be really competitive there and give ourselves marketing and advertising on a national platform when we go to the NCAA tournament every year in volleyball. Guys, that's what the NCAA is for. That's what college athletics is for, is to market and promote these schools. It's the biggest marketing tool that they can get when a, when a team goes to the NCAA tournament or they win a national championship in a sport. That's huge amount of advertising that they get on ESPN or whatever. And that's great. Now the school is getting national publicity. That's what they want. So now they can capitalize on these smaller sports because they don't have the funding to take care of a, a football team and make it the top team. They don't have funding to make the top basketball team every year. Well, now, none of these schools are going to be able to do that. None of these schools are going to sit there and say, we're going to give money to volleyball to make sure they're super competitive. We're going to give money to lacrosse to make sure it's a top lacrosse team every year in the country. No, they're not going to do that because those sports don't make money. They don't make money, guys. So they're going to start putting money only to basketball programs. Well, over time, these schools are going to see because everything's now on the schools. Everything's now on the conferences and on the schools themselves. And these schools, just like what happened at Hartford University, where they're actually leaving Division One, you guys are going to see this. These schools will start dropping out just like them. These schools are going to get scared. They're going to see how much money they're spending and wasting because now everything's on the schools. Nothing else is funding and supporting them. All this help that they were getting is not being funneled down to the schools. It's all stuff they have to work for. It's stuff they have to put bodies in place for. They have to put people there to maintain and keep track of all their different funding programs. And now it's more costly to them. And so these smaller sports are all going to drop off. Okay? They're going to drop off. So less resources, less enjoyable for kids. And then guess what? What's going to happen? These sports are going to die out. They're going to die out, guys. Division three is going to die out, things like that. Like All of these things are going to die out because schools and conferences and stuff like that, they're, they're not going to funnel those funds. They're not going to shuffle it and funnel it the right way. The NCAA may distribute things more evenly to schools and stuff like that. It, it may send it to them and give them all the power and leverage to do whatever they want. But if they're not governing it, they're not stipulating things, they're not putting policies in place, it is going to get out of control, and it's going to hurt a lot of sports. It's really going to hurt them. So... Who knows? Now, when the president says that, you know, maybe he's not 
saying exactly what he says right now. Maybe he doesn't mean that he's just going to let the schools loose and the conferences loose and let them handle everything. Maybe he doesn't mean that. Maybe they are really going to govern still and put policies in place still. But if they don't, this will be a nightmare. And again, maybe, maybe it's not going to be that case. But right now, it seems like they're trying to wash their hands of a lot of things and let the schools take on all the responsibility. And that is not going to be good. And a lot of these schools are very political. A lot of these schools don't really function. Like, guys, schools and universities are super political. They are very political. They are very much um, uh, stubborn in certain ways and things like that. And you have to be very, very careful when you start letting them under, like try and dictate college athletics at their school. Because if there's people at the school that don't get it and they don't understand it, they don't understand how to make money through it or why they should put money into it or whatever, they're going to drop it. That's what's happening at Hartford, guys. That's what's happening. So we will see more of that. We're going to see more things happen like Hartford. And when your university that you support or you went to school there or your kids go there currently and they lose athletics, you may have been the one supporting all this change. But it's your fault that all this is happening. So you just need to think about that and remember that. And if your kids are fortunate enough to go to University of Texas or University of Florida or University of Kentucky, these schools that are able to keep their programs and keep them at the top every year because they have the funding currently, sure, pat yourself on the back. You should be all happy for your kids and all that. But you know what? It's not for the greater good, guys. And if you're, if you're happy that your kid is taken care of and your kid gets to be a part of college athletics and all this and be in these programs – at the sacrifice of hundreds of other student athletes, thousands of other student athletes, hundreds of thousands of student athletes, at the sacrifice of them, shame on you. Shame on you. Okay? He said they need to embrace the percentage of athletes using the NCAA to go professional. They need to embrace it. Guys, that is absurd. Like, are you kidding me right now? He said that, oh, a small portion of kids come here and use the NCAA to elevate and go professional, and they don't care about their education. We need to embrace that percentage. Excuse me? Excuse me? No, you don't. You need to have those kids shut up and, and put away. Like, those kids do not need to be a part of college athletics. Those kids destroy college athletics. They've destroyed UK basketball. Every year, what happens? UK basketball has a brand new crop of players. Nobody ever stays. They might stay two years at the if you're lucky, but then they're going to leave. You never get four-year players. You never get three-year players. You never get people that stay three years like Rajon Rondo, four years like Gerald Fitch, Chuck Hayes. Like, you don't have these historic players that played there for four years and stuff and made heritage there that you can watch grow and develop. Like, you're killing it. You're killing these programs and stuff. It really sucks. So why are you going to embrace that? That's absolutely absurd. But what he means is the NCAA needs to embrace these players. The NCAA needs to, the colleges and, and schools need to embrace these players because they're the ones we make money off of. They're the ones that bring in the big bucks for us. We need to embrace them. Dude, this is so ridiculous. It's all about money, guys. It's all about money. He's saying these things, and it's really scaring me because it's going away from we. what we started with with the NCAA was to make this organization to provide education and give educational opportunities for students who wanted to play sports and athletics while they were in college. We provided them scholarships for these talents and skills that they brought because it brings value to the school. And now you're saying... Well, we need to embrace the ones that make us money, and that's it. 
Guys, this is so sad. It's so sad. Look into what he's saying. Look at it. Pay attention to it. Read between the lines. This is what is coming out. So move the powers to the conferences and the schools themselves. Guys, you're going to get a big shift in college athletics. And the opportunities that it allows is going to diminish dramatically. And people are going to sit there and say, later on, okay, 20 years from now, you're going to have so many people that sit there and look at it and say, oh, my gosh, there's so many opportunities now. Uh, you know, my kid can go to University of Kentucky and play basketball and make, you know, a million dollars every year in college just to go to school and not get an education but play basketball for a year. He can get a million dollars and then go the, and then go to the NBA and play. There's so much opportunity there. No, there's not. There's less opportunity because, yes, your kid – those special kids may be able to do that, but college athletics as a whole is going to diminish. You're going to have very little, if any, Division three schools later on. Division two will be hanging on. You're going to have schools that are in Division one right now that will leave Division one. Guys, that's where your opportunities diminish. So, okay, oh, there's so much opportunity for, you know, this handful of 100 to 150 players every year. Yeah, well... That used to be 450,000 student-athletes every year that got a huge opportunity. Now it's diminished. Like, you got to pay attention to this, guys. You got to understand. You got to understand. It's a nonprofit. It's an organization set up for the right reasons, and everybody wants it to change for the wrong reasons. Everybody wants it to change because of the wrong reasons recently guys recently there was a good morning no around the nfl around the nfl recently talked to um baker uh baker something is he's a he's a linebacker defensive player in the nfl for many years they actually went back in some history books and gave him uh, a record because they weren't recording sacks back in the day when he played and he actually would have had the sack record and they interviewed this guy, and they talked about it, and they're like, you know, what do you, what do you think about today's world? Like, what do you think about college athletics and and playing players and stuff? Because I mean, you would have made a lot of money. Like, how do you, you know, do you feel like you missed an opportunity? And I loved what he said. I loved what he said because he got on there and said, guys, I am fortunate. I am fortunate because I missed that. I am fortunate because I survived being famous. I survived being a celebrity. Because at that age, when your kid's like that, man, if I had that money, if I had all that money, I would have wasted it on so much crap. I would have gotten into drugs and all this stuff. I would have I done so much stupid crap and got myself in trouble and never got my life put in the right spot. I never would have learned how to handle finances or any of this stuff because I would have had too much to, to, to deal with or handle and it would have sent me down a bad path. Guys. He is sitting there, a guy that's been through it, a guy that didn't get all this money back in the day playing for the NFL, and he's sitting there telling you to your face, honest opinion, that these kids wouldn't be ready for that. I wouldn't have been ready for that. They don't need to get that much money because it will be a bad thing for them. Guys, let's listen to our elders here. Let's listen to the people who have moved on. Yeah, you're going to have top stars that, you know, the the – the Reggie Bushes and, and things like that sit there and say, oh, yeah, I wish this was around when my day, J.J. Reddick. Oh, I wish, you know, I would have made bank back then. Okay, whoopity-doo. Like, but you didn't because guess what? 
you have a great education. J.J. Redick has a great education behind him now. He went to the NCAA tournament. He's got a big name for himself, and guess what? He can retire tomorrow from the NBA, and he's made a ton of money. Why? Because of Duke. Because of Duke basketball, where he went to play. That's the value. That's the value of it, guys. If J.J. Redick went overseas and played, and then he went in the NBA, guess what? He wouldn't have had a big name. No one would have cared about him over here. He wouldn't have been able to make any of that money or get any endorsements when he went to the NBA. But guess what? He stuck around. He stuck around. People wanted to stick behind him. People wanted to support him. He helped sell tickets. And when he struggled in the NBA, teams kept him on the roster, and he had bigger chance. Like, guys, it's so frustrating to me. It's about getting the education. And it's about getting the education, learning how to be an adult, learning the fundamentals of life. I see too many kids that aren't professional athletes that come out of college that don't understand finances, that don't know what to do with their life, that go and get majors in school and they don't, their advisors aren't helping them enough and they get a major that's not going to put them in a career path they even want. And then they get out and they need to change jobs and they don't even work in the field they wanted. Guys, this is going to be a huge problem. These kids don't have the ability to take care of this money their parents sure don't if their parents are solely focused on them going and getting an nba contract and don't care about their education those parents probably don't have an education and those parents probably don't have the right things in their priorities so y'all like it just is really upsetting anyway i don't want to stay on this high horse or whatever but the big shifts of i mean we could see things historic like even title nine go away I mean, the NCAA enforces that, guys. If the NCAA stops governing to to a large extent, maybe those things are left up to schools. Maybe it's their decision, and Title IX is no longer a factor. And if that happens, guys, there's going to be no female programs because they don't make any money for the schools. I'll tell you that right now. They don't. They don't. Okay? I, I love to go watch a nice college volleyball game. I will go watch college college basketball games. I watch the college basketball tournament on NCAA every single year because I love watching the girls just as much as the guys. They're great athletes out there, too. I respect them. I have a lot of respect for them. Most people do not, and they will not pay to go to these things, and they do not make a lot of money off of these things. So you're going to hurt not just student-athletes' opportunities overall. You're going to hurt the females tremendously if this happens. So... Whatever. Again, that's a historic thing. Maybe we don't see Title IX go away. Again, that would be a huge, huge shift. But it could happen because of the way things are looking out. So again, we don't know how it's going to go. <clears throat> Maybe we're completely wrong. But guys, you're opening Pandora's box. We don't know what we're going to get. We don't know what we're going to get. Okay, so uh, last topic we will talk about here is Liz Cambridge. Okay, We talked about her a few weeks back. You guys remember there was a coach that talked about her, uh, talked about how much she weighed during a game, um, pretty much in a uh, from a standpoint that should have been looked at from most confident players and athletes as a compliment uh, because, wow, she's such a dominant force. She plays like she's 300 pounds. She's not 300 pounds, but she plays like it, and that coach is saying that because she plays like it. She's that dominant, you know? <clears throat> a lot of people would take that as a compliment, especially if you're an athlete. You need to have confidence to play at the professional level. And she took it um, very negatively. She was very upset by it, came out, said all these things about how, how, much it, how bad it was, how much it upset her and hurt her, whatever. Um, the coach got fined and all these things. Uh, and, and whatever, whatever. Okay, You guys can say whatever you want about that. However, 
Um, I then said that, you know, she needs to get some professional help. She needs to. She's got that much self-esteem issues. You know, she's not confident. You know, she needs to talk to someone. She needs to understand how to take those things. Because as a professional athlete, you got a lot of things going on. You got a lot of pressure on you. A lot of pressure. Press conferences, during the game, like all these things are anxiety-provoking stress and, and pressure on you. So you know what you need to do? You need to find a way to manage and handle that stress <coughs> to the best of your ability. And that is seeking professional help. That's not taking the easy way out and doing drugs or whatever that we've seen from high-level athletes, people who want to be Olympians recently. <coughs> um, sorry, guys. So, you know, that's that's what she's done. She, she did. She didn't take the easy way out. And what happened was, you know, she kept playing, kept doing her thing, and then she went to was going to participate in the Olympics. During the Olympics, sorry guys, have the hiccups here, so hopefully this is not too bad and you guys can bear with me, but um, during the Olympics, she had a verbal and physical altercation during a closed-door scrimmage. Now, it's a scrimmage, guys. It's not that important. There's not a ton of stress behind it, but she had a physical and verbal altercation during it, and it really upset her. You know, um, she, she got upset by that. She understood that, you know, being there was not good for her mental health. She didn't have any support. It was going to be too hard on her and that it just wasn't a good decision for her to be there right now from a mental standpoint. So she came out and has withdrawn from the Olympics. She has withdrawn herself from playing for the Olympics. Guys, I'm proud of this. Like, I, I will clap for her because this is a great professional standpoint for her. She is taking time to not do the Olympics, to get herself mentally okay and mentally right by making sure she has support, making sure she has her family around, making sure that she can get her confidence and motivation and, and everything back up to where it needs to be, her self-esteem. Like, that needs to get in the right place, and she is going to be making sure that that happens. So, guys, I'm super proud of this. Um, it, it's something that a lot of athletes won't do. They'll sit there and they'll take the easy way out, right? She is making the right choice. Shikari Richardson, the Olympic, the you know supposedly Olympic runner who didn't make it in the Olympics because she was doing marijuana, doing drugs. Like guys, she showed that she took the easy way out. She took the easy way out. She didn't do it the right way. She didn't do it the hard way, the professional way. She didn't seek mental help. She didn't seek professional help. She wanted the quick, easy fix of marijuana, guys. Liz Cambridge is not doing that, and I support her 100%. I give her major props for withdrawing from the Olympics. It's huge for her. She wants to compete in the Olympics. She wants to win a gold medal, but she understands it's not best for her. It's not best for her. It's not best for her mental well-being. And instead of trying to take some drugs or whatever and get a quick, easy fix, she said, I don't want to take daily medicine for anxiety to get through this Olympics. I don't want that. That's not right. And I am so proud of her for saying that because that's exactly how it is. You're a professional athlete, and as a professional in any industry, if you're the top person in any industry, you are held to different level of standards. She is adhering to those standards, and I am super proud of her for doing this. So great job, Liz Cambridge. Very excited for you and what you're doing. Um, you know, and, and it just shows to pave the way to people that look at Shikari Richardson and say, oh my gosh, like, how didn't you let her run? Like, why didn't you do that? Well, maybe she should have taken the higher ground. Maybe she should have gotten the, the professional help that she needed. Maybe she should have done things that were right and held herself to higher standards than trying to resort to drugs for a quick, easy fix for her depression. Okay. 
So super proud of this, very happy about it. So wanted to end this on a positive note. Aurora super excited for that as well. Aurora provides, uh, you know, some emotional support therapy to uh, me and her mother all the time. And uh, we provide it right back to her as well. So uh, yeah, super excited. I uh, wanted to leave it on a positive note. So yeah, what did you guys think about the podcast today? Uh, are you excited for the NBA Finals, how it's going to shake out? Um, tell us what team you're rooting for, how you kind of want it to go, or how you envision it going. And uh, what do you think about the NCAA? What do you think about things that are going to happen? Um, is there something that anyone out there knows that we don't? Uh, that that's coming down the pipe to fix some of these issues or maybe you know change some of these issues so it's not as big of a thing and what do you think about Liz Cambridge doing the right thing stepping up and not resorting to quick easy fixes drugs and things like that to fix herself but doing it the right way taking time for herself mentally super excited for that guys really appreciate it and again you'll hear from us later this week uh, we'll start up some of our NFL discussions and things as well once we get uh, a bit later in the week. So thank you guys. You'll hear from us again on Wednesday.